Chapter Nine of White Dandy: A Horse's Story, a companion book to Black Beauty. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K Hand. White Dandy: A Horse's Story, a companion book to Black Beauty by Velma Caldwell Melville. Chapter Nine. That morning, my master stopped first at a farmhouse where everything betokened plenty, but not thrift. A man was slopping hogs. The latter were in a small enclosure, wading in mud almost up to their bodies. How hungry they seemed, and how vigorously he dealt blows right and left with a club he carried. The low troughs were one-third full of mud, and into these he poured the swill. Dear me, I thought, they can never eat it. But they did. That is, some of them. A few of the weaker ones were crowded back and got nothing. Often in passing that place in winter I have noticed that in feeding cattle the fodder was thrown on the ground to be pawed over, stamped in, and the greater part of it wasted. The cattle here were thin-looking in the spring, with apparently no ambition but to find a tree or rail against which to rub. I was not surprised when I heard that that man had mortgaged his farm. Toward noon of the first day mentioned we drove into a farmyard where a boy unhitched me and turned me into a nice pasture. There were several horses and cows beside. One of the latter ran ceaselessly from side to side of the enclosure, calling piteously. No need to inquire her trouble. One look into her dark, pleading eyes, and anyone could recognize a sorrowing mother. One of the horses told me that it had been just that way for almost a week. That day and night it was the same. Said he, she has not eaten a mouthful since her little one disappeared. You see, they let it run with her until it was seven or eight weeks old. She was so proud of it, and an uncommonly cunning calf it was. They were always together, but one day some men came and drove it away, and she has been almost crazy ever since. Just then the poor animal passed near us in the endless circuit, and such a look of agony and entreaty as she wore. Presently a man came to the bars. Straight she rushed toward him, bellowing piteously. Of course, he passed indifferently by, and then turning she walked to a little clump of trees. "'See,' said my companion, "'she will stop under that oak at this corner. There is where she used often to lie with the calf.' and sure enough she paused there, smelling the ground over and calling in a low tone. Then down on her knees she went, laying the side of her face against the sod, and moaning and crying as any human mother would. Oh, it was pitiful, pitiful. One has to stand a good deal like that in this world, the big roan said, turning his face away, and yet people think we dumb creatures have no feeling. I wish we hadn't. A while ago the family let another cow and calf run together in the same way, and then butchered the little creature right before its mother's eyes. She has never been the same since, doesn't eat, and her milk isn't good. Poisoned with the grief and fretting, but the folks don't understand. Another day I was grazing in the pasture of one of Master's patients, when I noticed a cow standing in the shade of a tree contentedly chewing her cud. A happy-looking creature, I remarked to the old family horse, who was quietly grazing away his days. Yes, he said with a smile, and right here, let me say, horses do smile. She thinks her calf is over on the other side of that high board fence, in the calf pasture, while in reality it was sold a week ago. You see, our master is a merciful man. He separates the mothers from their young almost from the first. For a while he lets the calf through a door in the wall to its mother three or four times a day, then twice, and finally not at all. But all the while each is content, because they believe the other is right there. The cow is not worried and gives down her milk bountifully. The calf is content and thrives. My master is not only merciful, but shrewd. And you seem to have an easy time, I suggested. Easy to be sure. He says I have done hard work enough to retire, and have earned money enough for him that he can afford to keep me on the interest of it. 
one event of interest to part at least of the wallace family i have not mentioned it was when we had been at m about a year grim had been down street with the boys and on reaching the gateway of home he fell in a fit master and i had just driven up mrs wallace from the piazza gave a cry and began to scream mad dog poor grim coming out of it rolled his eyes piteously from one to another with a desperate struggle he regained his feet and attempted to walk but his back gave way and before the doctor could reach grim he lay writhing in another spasm mrs wallace screamed the louder from a safe place inside the door and master speaking rougher than i ever heard him speak to her before bade her be still adding that the poor fellow had been poisoned bring me a bottle of sweet oil from the office he commanded park and be quick about it grim was coming out of the fourth fit when the oil came and among them they managed to pour a gill or so down his throat he had ever so many more spasms but finally got better that is he did not die then but never got well just pined away and finally died by this means we became aware that m had a cat and dog poisoner a man too mean to live and too wicked to die the neighbors said of him many handsomer and more valuable dogs than dear old grim fell a victim to his rascality but few were more sincerely mourned so officious was this individual that it was nothing uncommon to see little girls bending their curly heads over pet kittens stiff as death or ladies wringing their hands in agony over the sufferings of some canine or feline pet and the sufferings of the latter were terrible to witness but i have heard say that every town has one man in it so far lost to human decency that he assumes the right to thus torture other people's pets master says there is nothing uncertain about the future of such men i don't quite know what he means do you Many winters professed to be not over-strong, these were Mrs. Wallace's words, and the latter frequently asked Dr. Dick to let her sister go with us when we were out for short drives. He could hardly refuse. Of course, I heard every word of their conversations, and noticed how commonplace all the doctor's remarks were, and how adroitly he parried all sentimental or even personal allusion on his companion's part, but nevertheless I was uneasy. I did not think so badly of Minnie, but Mrs. Wallace I believed capable of any treachery after a while i remarked that all the men and boys about the livery stable smiled significantly when my master came in and by and by when he was out i heard them saying among themselves that he was going to marry miss winters remembering the past as i did i was sure they were mistaken but still the way dr fred had done had somewhat shaken my confidence in men indeed i worried not a little and one day when my master announced that he was going to chicago for some weeks i could not decide whether the movement bad or ill the last thing before starting he caressed me and whispered loving words in my ear surely he could not do that i thought if he were untrue it seemed a different world to me when he was gone mrs wallace and her sister used me continually and i had no idea that women could be such merciless creatures they demanded that i trot all the time uphill and down and then kept a continual nagging that made me quite frantic my mouth was all sore and chafed from the ceaseless jerking and slashing of my back with the lines and no matter how strictly i obeyed them it was all wrong part of the time they rode on my back the saddle did not fit me and there was a rough place inside that wore a sore nobody noticed this though in fact i was scarcely curried or rubbed at all every time the saddle went on my back i grew worse until one day the pain became unendurable and i ran away think of me dandy running away i left miss minnie in a heap by a roadside but on i went that wretched saddle tearing deeper into me every moment somebody saw me and called out dr dick's dandy running away as i live this seemed to bring me to my senses and when they yelled whoa i stopped i was all of a tremble they led me back till they came to minnie crying by the roadside and rearranging her hair 
at first she refused to get into the saddle again and i hoped she'd hold out but she didn't and i had all i could do to keep from running again her weight hurt that sore so the next day we went again with park on prince for escort the saddle hurt as badly as before worse i guess and presently when they undertook a race the torture was too much and i reared throwing my lady off again park caught the bridle with a jerk that almost threw me to the ground and while i was recovering myself he slid from his horse tying the ladder by the roadside he removed the saddle and proceeded to give me the dreadfulest whipping with the whip he carried i had never been really whipped before in my life and i scarcely know which hurt me the worst the lash or the injustice and humiliation probably the lash though for it cut mercilessly into the sore suddenly minnie screamed don't don't park just see the blood oh what will the doctor say but the young man was mad i suppose anyway he thrashed away until he was tired sobbing hysterically minnie wiped the blood from my back with her handkerchief and refused to mount again they had a quarrel but i was too faint and sore to pay much attention and to think i could never tell my master one word about it that was four days before he came home and i was not out of the stable again dr fred came in the morning after my whipping examined my back and swore frightfully said he'd a notion to horsewhip park and promised him his dismissal when master came home it all tended to make the fellow ugly and every one of the wallace horses have cause to remember those four days they seemed a veritable reign of terror all the while he was putting something on my back that smarted it dreadfully of course dr dick visited my stall the first thing i laid my head on his shoulder and could have cried with relief the moment he moved away i would recall him with a whinny and he finally led me out with his own hands for some water that spot on my back was the first thing to catch his eye in the perfect light but park was ready with a plausible story about minnie trying a side saddle on me just because i needed exercise and it rubbed my back that was all i never heard any more about it except that master pitied and petted me even more than before thinking of the thousands upon thousands of poor creatures that are abused much worse every day and never receive a kind word or pat i felt that my lines were cast in pleasant places anyway i never heard any more about master marrying miss winters and after a while she went away just prior to this last event she and mrs wallace drove out with me and i heard the former say i hate dandy i believe i am jealous of him such a pretty dapple gray was brought into the barn one night her back one mass of ridges made by a whip what a shame one of the stable men said and she's a willing piece of horse flesh too yes said another but some fellows think it looks big to whip like that shows their power and importance shows their fools End of chapter nine